0: Hello my wonderful friends, welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Questions for God. Uh, This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. This week we dig into the Christian church, church's teaching concerning forgiveness. We're going to be asking, is the Christian teaching on forgiveness reasonable? Today I've got with me as my co-host Tom Sliwa. Uh, welcome, Tom. Thank you very much for having me, Pastor Gary. Oh, it's fantastic to have you uh, have you here with us today. You know, Tom's uh, an optometrist by profession. At the present time, he's out of work thanks to coronavirus, but has recently had some absolutely wonderful ministry experiences. Now, Tom, you've, you've spent some time recently in the Amazon. I'm not sure if you'd want to be there right now, but, you know, you've been to the Amazon.
1: Yes, I had the uh, opportunity of going there in 2018. Um, so there was a trip um, which was run by an organisation called One Sight. Right. And I was the only Australian optometrist that got to go. There was about 60 of us from around the world. And we and you were, were all, all, all optometrists? There was optometrists, there was lab technicians, there was ophthalmologists. There was a whole team of a bunch of different people from within the OPSM kind of company globally.
0: And you got to cruise up the Amazon is that right?
1: Yes we were there for about five days and we even got to go for a swim in the river. Wow I thought
0: there were crocodiles in that river. <laughs> Yeah we were a bit brave. A bit brave I tell you Tom uh, tell me what did it what was it like um, relating to the people uh, you know that you came across in in the villages? It was yeah so we went we went to two different villages
1: and mm. the first one we went to was about a day's trip, a day's cruise on the boat away. So it's a pretty isolated area where we got to go. But yeah, it was just such an experience, an amazing experience to see how they live because they really don't have much much. Some of them live in little mud huts or you know just stick huts mm. and They don't have much, and it was just a really eye-opening experience. But it was amazing because we got to, in the five days that we were there, we got to see, I think, from memory, 2,006 people, and we got to make the glasses for them on the spot. So, because, you know, it's such a remote area, it would take ages to... For the glasses to be made elsewhere in mm. in the company and be shipped there, um, so yeah, we had a whole bunch of glasses that we made for them on the spot, so it was awesome.
0: That's fantastic. And and then when you came back, you chose to attend the Arise Bible College and then work as a volunteer Bible worker. Now, uh, Tom, that's uh, that strikes me as just a little bit unusual because you're a you're a professional person. You've finished your your university training. You've been working as an optometrist. You've been selected by your company to do some, you know, some very isolated uh, work, and then you decide to go to Arise. Now, uh, just tell me, Tom, uh, what, what is Arise?
1: Yep. Um, Arise is a Bible school, a Bible training program, which lasts for about three and a half months in Kingscliff in North New South Wales.
0: Okay. Okay. So you studied various um, theology, scriptural type type subjects.
1: Yes. So we had various different instructors that would come, um, yep. and they would present to us. So it was five days a week, um, and we would have lectures on all the different various you know doctrines and teachings of the Bible. And then we would also get practical experience. So we got to go door knocking and had the opportunity to do um, Bible studies with people in the local
0: community. Okay, okay. Uh, Tom, this really intrigues me because why did you choose to return to the life of a, of a student studying <laughs> studying theology because that's a, that's an area that not a lot of people uh, study uh, when you're a qualified and practicing optometrist. Why did you do that? It's a great question, Pastor Gary. So, I had at that point
1: in time been working full-time um for OPSM for two years. And I was thinking about my future and, you know, there, there was opportunities to grow in my career and, you know, kind of climb mm-hmm. the corporate, corporate ladder. And the way I look at it is, you know, we're in high school and we're working really hard to get an, a good ATAR to get into a good uni course and then we yeah. work hard in uni to get a good job and then you get a good job and you're just kind of on this ladder of the world, you know, It's almost society. a bit of a treadmill, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. and you can burn out, but... Um, yeah, I just wanted to do something more with my life, something more meaningful rather than just, you know, pursuing, you know, success by the world standards. And I wanted to have a break and do something a bit more adventurous and, yeah, dedicate a year to God. That was, that was the goal. So was it? adventurous
0: did it did it satisfy what you were actually looking forward to
1: Oh, I loved it I had the one of the best times of my life at arise you know the the things we get to learn the the people that you get to meet you know we enter we entered in there was a class of 40 of us we entered in as strangers but we left that three and a half months as family because you yeah, know you do yeah. everything together you you live together you eat together you do ministry together you do class together you just yeah. do life together for three and a half months with great like-minded people
0: so that, uh, That's that's Incredibly powerful when you're actually doing, because I, I, I know that in my own studies, you know, the class that you're working with, it, you become incredibly close to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that you, you share in so many different, uh, different levels. Would you do it again? Would you recommend anybody that might be listening to go? 100%.
1: Yeah, no, no, no doubts in my mind. I would, if I had the opportunity, I would do it again. I would recommend anyone go to Arise. It was a life changing experience for me and many others as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it it is, you know, run with, um, in collaboration with the Adventist Church, but there it's open to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just anyone who's interested in learning about Scripture and getting a
0: deeper understanding yeah. of God yeah. and His love and yeah. what the Bible teaches. Yeah this is can I say to anybody who might be listening this is a really fantastic bible training school this is a a bible training school that actually deals on so many different levels it's not just uh theology and theory but you get practice involved as well and uh, uh, to me the more i uh, see see people coming through and being involved in ministry afterwards the more more thankful i am that hey it it, it changes Life direction, doesn't it, Tom? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So after a
1: rise. Um, you know, you leave there and you're like on fire and you're passionate about, you know, the Bible and you just want to get out and share. And so then we had the opportunity of going to New, the Newcastle area and doing. So you
0: were appointed to a, to a church as a, as a lay yes. Bible worker afterwards.
1: Yeah. So we, I, yeah, we got to be a volunteer Bible worker for six months
0: afterwards. Okay. Tell us a little bit about that. What, what, what did you do? I mean, I hear that you actually slept in the church library. Yes. I mean, that's, that's, that's unusual. Yes.
1: Not many people get the opportunity to live in a church, but I actually lived in, inside the inside the local church where I was at in curry curry in the library that was my home for six months where is curry curry curry
0: curry is about twenty minutes west or inland from newcastle okay okay one of our uh, one of our major stations is actually over in, uh, in Newcastle yeah, And uh, I'm, I'm sure there'll be people over Listening over, over in that yeah, part big, of the world Big
1: shout out to my Newcastle
0: friends Yes, yes, Anyone please do that Anyone that might be listening yeah, yeah. No, It's wonderful to have, uh, have Tom's friends uh, listening, l- listening today uh, Guys, let's uh, Let's go to some music uh, Love uh, uh, the ministry And uh, life Marlita Fong, uh, Better Than I This is a really beautiful song Please enjoy Welcome again to Faith FM Drive Time Big Questions for God with Pastor Gary This is the program where we look each week at the difficult questions concerning God and faith contemporary religion and the Bible This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy Today I've got with me Tom Sliwa who's recently completed lay ministry training at Arise Bible College This week we're asking an incredibly important question is the Christian teaching on forgiveness, is it reasonable? What a question. So many struggle with this issue. It was during a visit that uh, myself and my wife undertook in uh, in the uh, east coast of, of America. We took time to visit the Amish people of Lancaster County. They believe in maintaining the old ways. Driving around their area was something to behold. Horse-drawn carts, traditional handicraft. I will remember driving in my hired vehicle at 20 kilometres an hour, following just two carts down the road as they plodded carefully with their horses. No phones in the homes. Then I went to one home and I discovered that in the that in the shed, there was a phone. So I asked, I, I, I talked to the, to the farmer and I said, I notice you've got a, got a, uh, got a phone in the shed. You see, I thought he must have been one of the, uh, maybe more of the more progressive Amish people. His response to me was significant. He said, no, Gary. He said, phones are allowed in the shed. They're just not allowed in a person's home. You see, the phone is something we use for business. It's not something that we use in the home. You see, we don't want to be distracted from our family when we're at home. You know, as I spoke to a number of Amish people, I realised that maybe they had something that we could actually learn from. Then it came to October 2006, each uh, Amish Amish family uh, sends their children along to a one teacher school there are dozens of them over the landscape on this particular day a, a a gunman entered one of the one of the one of the schools and 10 schoolgirls were shot nickel mines Pennsylvania is still etched in the mind of so many people. Can you imagine sending your children to school only to have them shot by a by a an unforgiving gunman? Over the next uh, next few days, time time seemed to race, and uh, and people struggled. To deal with the issue of children that had been been shot amongst the group of people who came to uh, uh, to, to interview individuals in uh, nickel mines was quite a number of individuals who uh, were part of the press. they knew what the They knew what the Amish people believed, particularly about the subject of forgiveness. The Amish believed that one should forgive. They started to ask the Amish some questions. These were some of the questions that were recorded in a a book entitled Amish Grace, How Forgiveness Transcended Tragedy. Question What did you learn about the Amish understanding and practice of forgiveness while you were writing this book? This is at the very beginning. One of the main things I learned was how central forgiveness is to Amish theology and really to their whole values system. The Amish believe, in a real sense, that God's forgiveness of them is dependent on their extending forgiveness to other people. Wow. Wow. They're prepared to forgive, but do you forgive a gunman who's shot your own children? You see, their understanding of forgiveness is embedded in their culture and their history. Their 500-year-old history includes martyrs that didn't seek revenge but asked forgiveness for their persecutors in one sense. This is almost, this belief is part of their cultural DNA. Their understanding of forgiveness is that that it's a long process, that it's difficult, that it's painful, that replacing bitter feelings towards someone is something that takes time. And they would say that it happens only through God's grace. But they begin with expressing their intention to forgive, with faith that their emotional forgiveness will follow over the months and years to come. They don't begin with trying to blame someone or something. Then this question was asked, what are some of the examples of how the Amish showed their forgiveness after the shootings? Well, the Amish verbally expressed their forgiveness and their mem- to the memory of their killer. They refused to talk badly about him or degrade his character. They reached out to his family as fellow victims. They wanted to extend compassion to his family. Half of the people who attended his funeral were Amish. See, he also took his own life. What a story! When I read this story, I could hardly believe it. Do you give forgiveness to somebody who has taken the life of your children? Is that part of Christian belief? Is that something that God would expect of his people? Tom, tell us, come come over to us and uh, and tell us, what's what's your thought on this? What, um, What does the Christian church teach on the subject of forgiveness?
1: Great question. And I think it's a really important question because I think all of us, you know, go throughout our lives and we experience, you know, people hurting us and we... You know, we expect people to forgive us. We need to forgive other people. So let's have a look at what the Christian church, what the Bible has to say about forgiveness. And I'd like us to turn and have a look. Um, in Matthew 18, Peter actually asks Jesus a question about forgiveness. And mm-hmm. it's something, a good place, I think, where we can unpack a bit more of the teachings on forgiveness. So, you know, Peter's being Peter. He, um, he, he comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I, f- and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And I just want to pause here, Pastor Gary, because... You know, back in those days, my understanding is that the religious leaders limited forgiveness to three offenses. You know, mm, it's like mm. even before the times of baseball, you know, three strikes and you're yeah, out. And you're out. And, you know, Peter here, you know, he's always going one better. And he says, you know, can I go up to seven? Is seven yeah. times enough? You know, seven in the Bible is such an important number. It signifies perfection and completion.
0: He's, he's going double and then some after A that. A little bit extra. Yeah, exactly. He's going exactly. that extra mile.
1: And, you know, Jesus says to him, no, even more, 70 times 7. And I've got a question for you, Pastor Gary. Is God really up there in heaven only allowing 490 forgivenesses to each one of us? You know, I would have... Used mine up years ago. Just asked my sister, you know. But does does God really only have a quota of four hundred and ninety allotments of grace, and then it's up for
0: each? I one think of that's us? a really significant question, actually. There, uh, Tom, because what we actually find is that we have have a God. I mean, which of us on Earth would be able to keep count? Of 490 times. Hey, if in fact my little brother, my little sister, somebody sins against me, if, you know, they commit some offense, I say that's one, that's two, that's three, you know, and bang, <laughs> oh, you're not out, you know, six, seven, you know, 46, 47, you know, somewhere about 89, I start to run out of the ability to be able to remember exactly what I'm, where I'm at. You know, 70 times 70. 70 times, that's a huge number of, uh, number of times. And I think what we
1: believe and what our understanding is on this topic will also determine our picture of God. Because does he sit there with a checkbook just watching you sin and, you know, crossing off these things and then it's like you're out or, but, or, you know, the Bible teaches that God is a God of love. He's ultimately forgiving and, you know,
0: infinitely forgiving. And I think yeah, that's something no, that's, I want to that's explore. good, Tom. That's good. I, I think that, that that concept of this gives us the picture of God, uh, to me, is something that I think is actually so important. Because what we're looking at here is the character of God. Because, of course, yeah. what, what God is expecting of his people, he's also going to turn around and, and do himself. He's not going to expect more of his people than what he's prepared to do himself. Exactly.
1: Alright, let's, let's dig into this parable a little bit more, because I know time's gonna run out on us, I think, because I'm gonna get excited about this one. But, um, I'm just gonna paraphrase it, paraphrase, uh, paraphrase it briefly. So, there's this, there's this servant of a king, right, and he's... I don't know, somehow he got access to the king's royal credit card and he's gallivanting around the whole globe, you know, travelling, exploring, flying around in business class, eating in expensive restaurants, racking up all this debt. Sounds like a modern politician. (laughs) And then, you know, the king summons him and, you know, judgment day comes and he has to owe up for all his expenses, all his debts that he's incurred, and he can't pay it back. And he's got, you know, this huge debt. And it says in the parable that... It says in this story that the, the king who we know is representing Jesus, you know, he shows compassion on this person. He has Mm. mercy on this person and he forgives him his debt. But then this very person who was forgiven this large debt goes home and he sees that he has a servant who might owe him, you know, $10, $15 and he doesn't forgive them and he, he he gets really angry at them and throws them into prison. Mm. And it's, um that's essentially the the parable that is being presented here. And I just want to focus firstly on the bit where it talks about Christ was moved with compassion. What a loving God, you know? It tells us how God deals with our sins. Does he calculate our balance due, divide it into a certain number of installments and then enroll us in a payment plan? Not at all. You know, God has compassion and freely forgives all, just mm. as the king forgave his servant this enormous debt.
2: Mm. mm.
0: This is a this is a powerful message. That's actually coming across here, isn't it? Because uh, you get the, you get the king, which of course is represented, you know, is representing God himself. And he's saying that to, to you, to each of us, he's actually forgiven an amazing amount. He's prepared to, to, to go above and beyond.
2: Hmm.
1: And um, the other thing which I find really fascinating about this story is the, the parable doesn't teach that God forgives us after we forgive each other. You see, the man was forgiven before he had forgiven the other person. So quite the contrary, God forgives gives us first. And indeed, you know, You have no power within yourself to forgive others except as Christ has forgiven you first. And the parable tells us that the king first forgave his servant. He set the example that he wished his people would then follow, and he expected his servant to then go and do likewise. Mm. And I think that's an important thing for us. You know, God has forgiven us in our our life, in our sins, and he expects us to, to then go and replicate that and
0: showcase that love and that forgiveness to other people. Okay it's a it, it's this is actually a really challenging uh teaching and this is a uh, certainly the teaching of the uh, Christian church through the through the ages because uh, you know I I I I sort of understand a little bit uh you know the of what this story is is trying to say but I struggle with it just a little bit because the the man who is going out to um the the man that's going that that's been forgiven the huge amount of money he's he's now been wanted to be able to to give a small a small amount by somebody else, and he hasn't been prepared to uh, to forgive it, i mean tom isn 't that human nature
2: mm. yeah.
0: isn 't that human nature i mean that 's the way that we tend to we tend to function,
1: and it 's not easy sometimes to forgive people, even if you know sometimes the hurt might be really deep, and this is what I think forgiveness really is you know um, forgiveness isn 't necessarily. Saying what the other person may have done to you was okay or acceptable or, or you forget about it, but it's, it's like an emotional psychological kind of thing. It's, I, I like to think of forgiveness as giving up your right to revenge. You know, forgiveness doesn't excuse or justify the wrong, but it allows us to emo- emotionally move on from
0: that. I think you actually make a very good point there, Tom, because one of the, one of the real challenges is how do I deal with forgiveness, maybe with the big things you know if if somebody uh, offends against me and maybe they uh, you know just simply um you know I'm driving down the road and they they cut me off i might find that something that is might be easy to forgive and and forget but you know what happens if somebody um is on the road and they take the life of a of a son or a daughter Does forgiveness, does the Christian belief in forgiveness include even these big things? I believe
1: so. I believe so. And it's always important to look at Christ, right? And I believe, you know, you look at when Christ was on the, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, Mm -hmm. he had soldiers nailing nails into his hands and, you know, they crucified him. And even at that point in time when he was being murdered himself, he cries out and he says, Father, forgive them Mm -hmm. for they
0: do not know what they are doing. Mm-hmm. That's and that's a huge and probably the best example that you could actually give because you've got the uh, the Son of God being he's being tortured to death and yet the words that he says on the cross is this Father forgive them you know I mean this is this is huge mm. and uh, to me as I as I look at this I, I've got to say hey. Is there an example there we 're going to dig into this subject this entire week because i 'm really conscious that we need to, to to plumb the depth. What does forgiveness actually mean? I mean, what about, for example, consequences? Does forgiveness do away with consequences uh, these are, are some of the issues that i 'm so so conscious we need to we need to look at this uh, this week, but Tom look. Let's just have a break, uh, a break there. Uh, Let's come to uh, Anders Svensson, uh, Gone Gone Other Days.
3: taught me yeah, and gone are the days that I thought I'd give my life to last, gone are the days, gone are the days, gone are the days, are the days that I sought for myself to please look for I'm not on my own, I'm not on my own, God, stay.
4: When your life gets harder and the world gets worse, Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family, or workmates? Faith free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy. Filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM.
0: That's 1-800-324-843. And that is a fantastic book. If you haven't uh, ever asked for one of our offers before, that's the offer to actually grab. The Great Controversy is probably the book that uh, I, I most appreciate, apart from the scriptures in my own library. I uh, love that book, read it many times, and uh, really talk. You, you read about that I've book? I've read it about twice. You've read it twice, two and a half times. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Fantastic. it's so powerful uh, material, and uh, if any of our listeners want it, please uh, come back on that particular offer because it's uh, it's well worth uh, uh, looking at. Well, welcome back, folks. It uh, it is uh, wonderful to have you back again. I'm uh, uh, I'm here in the studio with uh, with Tom Sliwa who's recently completed a lay ministry training course at Arise Bible College this week we're asking uh, is the christian teaching on forgiveness is it reasonable tom uh, this teaching from christ uh, concerning forgiveness seems to have a number of key components that i'd suggest many people tend to tend to struggle with i mean in this uh, in this parable what we have is christ talking about us all being sinners. Mm. Now, you know that's a that's a word that isn't real popular today. It's not, pleasant, is it? it's not popular today mm. at all. Now, tell me, how do you feel about being told? You know, I mean, what this is saying is that the, the scriptures are saying that Tom is a sinner. Now, how do you feel about that? I mean, isn't that a bit of a put down.
1: It's yeah, it's it's not pleasant to hear. But when you look about, look at it. As a disease, for example, right? So, you know, we all have this disease called sin, and either we know about it we don't know about it if we do know about it we want a solution and i think it, this isn't and that not is too, actually
0: that's actually one of the real teachings of the scriptures isn't it that what, what that we're all struggling with with this issue of sin
1: yeah and it's not like i was saying it's not too dissimilar to going to a doctor and getting a diagnosis or going to an optometrist for example personal example for myself and learning that you have an eye problem you know some people have an eye disease that might be painful it might cause blindness and some of them they might know some of them they might Know. For example, glaucoma is known as the silent thief of sight because you don't know you have it until it's too late. Mm-hmm. And you want to get on top of it as soon as you can. And I, for example, I recall a gentleman he once presented to me. He didn't really have any issues. And I looked into the back of his eye and I noticed he had something called papilledema, which is where the optic nerve, the cable connecting the eye to the brain mm-hmm. was swollen and there was blood in the back of his eye. And I'm like, you got to go straight to the emergency department. And he went and they found out he once had a brain shunt and it was blocked. And so pressure was building up in his brain. Brain, mm-hmm. and he didn't have any other symptoms. Wow! And later on, he contacted he contacted me, and he just wanted to thank me because I potentially saved his life. And you know, wow. he could have not come in for that yeah. routine yeah, eye yeah, exam, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he could have died.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And it's the same thing with sin. We all have this sin problem, and there's some people that are aware of it and they're doing something about it, but there's also other people which aren't aware.
0: I'm interested with your your experience there in in optometry, uh, Tom. How frequently do you actually have? Uh, people come in maybe that you know they they believe they're seeing clearly. But <laughs> that's they very uh, Yeah. Can go on? You
2: yeah. uh,
1: the classic thing is when you when you're doing a driving test. And you get your, you know, older person or, or whoever it is, and some of them, they're like, oh, I can still see the leaves on the trees. They're, I'm like, yeah, you, can, you might see like some sort of blurry fuzz shape thing, but you don't, you're nowhere near meeting the standards for driving. Mm-hmm. And you either got to get glasses or, you know, sometimes people don't meet them at the standards, even with glasses, because they've got some sort of eye condition. And then unfortunately, I have to write a report to the Department of Transport and say, it's over with your driver's license. Because, mm-hmm. you know, to protect them
0: yes. themselves,
1: yeah. but also to protect other people in the public.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in other words, what you're saying is that it is actually possible to have a disease, if you like, and to not recognize that you actually have that disease. Exactly, not recognize. And some people, or you might recognize you have
1: it, but you deny. You're in denial. Like, the people that, you know... I say you can't, you can't drive anymore, but they're like, no, I see fine. You know, I haven't had a car accident in 50 years. You can ask my wife or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's like, no, you've got less than 50% of vision. You can't be on the road. You're almost
0: blind. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, I, I think that that's actually a really good illustration because what we've actually got here is the Bible's actually saying to us we have a physical complaint and that complaint is something that's actually called sin. It's something that seems to live with us, but it's so easy to actually deny that we actually have a problem. Exactly. Yeah,
1: true. The other thing that the other thought that just came to my mind, Pastor Gary, you know, you asked me, what do I think about being called a sinner? And something which I would suggest to people which might be struggling with this is instead of focusing on being you know, the term sinner, instead of focusing on the problem, focus on the solution. Focus Instead of focusing on the sin, focus on Christ. You know, there's a quote which I once heard and it said, when I look to myself, I can't see how I can be saved. But when Mm -hmm. I look to Christ, I can't see how I can be lost. So instead of focusing on the problem, I, I would suggest focus on the solution and it will bring hope
0: rather than despair. And that's really what the teaching of Scripture really is, isn't it? You know, because mm. uh, Scripture, while it presents a problem, it spends vastly more time uh, sharing on what the solution to that problem actually is. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, that's, uh, look, to me, I come back to, um, uh, to, to what the, the Scriptures are actually saying here, uh, concerning forgiveness, because this week we're talking about this subject of forgiveness. And okay, in the parable, or what we've had is a parable where Christ has clearly said, "You have a problem," yeah, and right the saying. problem is actually a thing called sin. Now, what sort of what, uh, what does how does that work out in our lives,
1: practically, or what? What where I'd like to go with this, Pastor Gary? I was just thinking, um, I don't know where this is going to go. I'm just going to think out loud. Um, so the Bible defines sin as transgression of the law. Yeah. And yeah. we know um, the law is, you know, the Ten Commandments. And so we, we, the Bible also says that we are all sinners, all have mm-hmm. sinned and fallen mm-hmm. short of the glory of God. Um, but Apostle Paul, he also points out the purpose of the law is to lead us to Christ. It's, mm-hmm. It shows us what sin is because yeah. if we didn't have the law, we wouldn't know what sin is. But it's also the purpose of the law is to point us In to Christ. In other words, it
0: defines what, the, uh, what, what, what sin really is. And so here's kind of the the
1: equation that I'm coming to. If there is no law, there is no sin. And if there is no sin, there's no need for a saviour or Jesus. And if there's no need for a saviour, like, what's the point in this whole forgiveness thing? Exactly, exactly. If there's no sin, you don't really need to be forgiven over anything.
0: Okay, so what we're really saying is that within Christian theology, forgiveness is heart and core of what the scriptures are on about.
1: Yeah, and I think it's very central to the whole, um, you know, the, the gospel message itself and salvation, because I think it ties in very closely with that.
0: Okay. Where do the scriptures share on, share on this subject?
1: So there's, um, a few other passages, I think, um, regarding salvation or, yeah, so there's the, the gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But then I think the book of Romans itself has a lot to say about, you know, the, the, the links between, you know, the, Salvation and the the law and forgiveness and you know it talks about our carnal nature, fleshy nature. How we have been set free mm-hmm. from the you know the consequences of sin. We are now under grace, not under law. However, we should still keep the law. Mm-hmm. And I think the book of Romans is really good for that.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you know, to me, I, I I'm conscious of you know I suppose First uh, John. You know, to to me, there's a powerful passage here as I look at it um, and. uh, uh first uh, John chapter one and I'd love to know what is it saying to you if we confess our sins he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness because what I'm conscious of and what we're going to come to later in the week is that what he is doing himself is something that what scripture appears to expect of us and what I want to talk about later in the week is how does this? How do we do what Scripture is asking the people of God to do? Is that something that is actually reasonable? Share with us from First um, John chapter chapter one um, verse nine. I love this passage. I think okay. it just makes it
1: so simple, Pastor Gary. It says, "If we are, if we confess our sins, that's our part." Yeah. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. So it's got like the bit that we have to do, which is to confess our sins. And then if we do that, if we do our bit, God will do his bit, which is Mm -hmm. he is faithful and just to forgive us our
0: sins. So it's a really simple equation. We confess, he forgives. Okay, that that makes it incredibly simple. In fact, if I... Even go to the Lord's prayer. You know, as I consider the Lord's prayer, you get the, uh, you know, within um, sh- share with us on the from the Lord's prayer. There we have um, uh, in uh, in Matthew that we are to forgive as the Lord will forgive us, as we forgive our debtors. You know, that's a. That's an amazing statement because this expectation just keeps on coming back to us that in fact we're going to be able to do what God is doing for us mm. is you know it's, I'm conscious that many people actually struggle with uh, with that particular thought because you know the world in which we live today there is huge calls for justice. Is it just to forgive somebody who has done some terrible deed against me?
1: I think, yeah, I think it's really tricky. But again, I just want—if we keep looking at Jesus and the cross—I think you know, was it does it, was it just for Him to forgive us and to have to come and die on the cross for us?
0: Yeah, that's that—that's a very good good response because we. As we as we come into the example of Christ on the on the cross, we start to see a um a a depth of God's love Mm -hmm. that we otherwise totally miss. I
1: just would love to touch on that, Pastor Gary, because this is something I'm very passionate about, the Mm -hmm. love of God and just how infinite and huge it is. You know, the Bible says in first John chapter four, verse eight, that God is love period. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the cross, you know, the, the, one of my favorite Christian authors, Ellen White, in in a book called The Desire of Ages, she says that hanging on the cross, he, um, he couldn't see through the portals of the cross. You know, he had lost all hope. He actually didn't see the other side. Mm -hmm. So for him, it's like he was giving up his eternal, the God, the creator of the universe, was willing to give us his etern- his eternity, his mm-hmm. eternal mm-hmm. life, his self you know, living forever for us. It mm-hmm. was such a huge sacrifice. And and she says that, you know, hanging on the cross he couldn't see through the portals of the tomb. Mm-hmm. He couldn't see the other end. That's how big of a sacrifice it was for him. And then I just continue to think of the you know the love of God. In in Second Peter three, um, there's a Bible verse where it says that God is not willing for anyone to perish, but that all should come to mm-hmm. repentance. And you know some people in this world are asking, you know, you, you Christians, you've been saying for such a long time that Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. When is he coming? And I think this, this Bible verse perfectly addresses that, that he's mm. going to come. But he's waiting because he wants as many people to come to repentance. And he's just so patient and loving. And when we spend time with him and we, you know, how can
0: you not be drawn by such a love? Mm. I, I, I love the way that you put that. He is waiting, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to Repentance. repentance. Uh, he's 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 not wanting to lose anyone you know to me I think you've you know you've really nailed uh, something very very beautiful uh, just there tom look let's uh, i'm conscious that our time is starting to escape from us it's uh it's now um, um, just a, uh, just a few minutes till we need to finish but let's come to some music and a weather up at the cross.
5: My Savior bleed. Did my sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head Of someone such as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw light, the light.
4: has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family or workmates? FaithFM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on one 800 fm That's 1-800-324-843.
0: Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time: Big Questions for God with Pastor Gary. This is the program where we look each week at the difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. This is a show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. Today, I've got with me Tom Sliwa, who's recently completed lay ministry training at a Rise Bible College. And we're asking this week: Is the Christian teaching on forgiveness is it reasonable? Tom. Share with us again. Now, you mentioned to me in the break that you've got a, a, a number of pa- that re- passages there that really impact you on this particular subject.
1: Yeah, Share I with think- us. I'd like to just share a few verses from Psalm 103. It's one of my favorites. And, um, it reads in verse two, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Jumping to verse eight, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him, for he knows our frame, he remembers that we are but dust. And verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. And just um one other verse which I really love, just on this topic, Psalm 130, it says, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities or sins, O Lord, who could stand? Mm. but there is forgiveness with you. And then in verse 7 it says, "O Lord, o, o Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is mercy and with him is abundant redemption." I love that. There's not just redemption, but it's abundant redemption.
0: Yeah. And he
1: shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities.
0: Mm, mm, yeah, this is this is very powerful. You know, it really explains to me why um, you know John, in speaking about Nicodemus in in chapter three, started to talk about a new birth. There seems to be in the in the New Testament and in the Old Testament an understanding that when a person is born again, there's a new way of looking at things. It, uh, have you noticed that in in your experience yeah and
1: as well you you find a similar thing in the book of acts as well you see oftentimes you know peter or paul would be preaching and then they're like you know they s- add into their you know what shall i do to be saved and so, you know they would often and add in their repent and be baptized yeah, as well and that's yeah, part of the yeah. new birth thing you're talking about yeah. but i think in my experience something that there's this kind of freedom that hap- that you experience when you, when you experience the love of God and the forgiveness of God mm-hmm. and you're able to give that over to others. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a sh- story I'd love to share, but we probably don't have time for it um, anymore. But yeah. Um, You know, I've gone through a few traumatic things in the past and have had to forgive people, and it's just such a good thing. Like I was saying before, it's a it's a release from the... It doesn't mean you forget what happened. It doesn't say what happened was okay, but it's an emotional, psychological kind of release that Mm. you're not going to revenge them. You've let go of the trauma mentally, and you can move
0: on from that and move towards healing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's incredibly important, what you're saying there, and that's actually the thing which we're going to be looking at as we move into this week because what i'm really conscious of is that this christian teaching, the biblical teaching of forgiveness is actually so all encompassing. You've got this picture of a god who has forgiven us in a, to an immeasurable um fashion. It's just you can't measure how much forgiveness he has given, but then the the scriptures turn around and they say, hey, as you have been forgiven, so I want you to forgive others. And, you know, to me, that's the thing that I know that um, so many actually struggle with because how do you actually do that when you have an individual who through crass stupidity has really offended against you. Maybe they've killed a loved one. Does it still apply? The, I, I know of, uh, I, I've read some, some articles where uh, people who came out of the uh, the death camps asked this very question. Mm-hmm. Can we be expected to forgive our tormentors? Do you know, as we move into this week that's what we're going to be looking at. We've got a number of people coming that are going to be sharing on this particular subject because we want to look at the implications of this subject for living the Christian experience today. Well, my friends, it, it does look like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Tom Slewer on The Drive Time Show. Tomorrow we are going to continue our discussion when we ask... Does Christ call for his people to forgive even those who have caused great harm? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace which the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May God richly bless you this evening.
2: Once I stood in the night With my head bowed low In the darkness as black as could be And my heart felt alone And I cried, oh Lord, don't hide Your face from me Hold my hand all the way Every hour